Do you like the people you work with? Do you want to go to work happy every day? Well, this is the show for you. Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio. Today's show will feature how to find a great work environment with special guest Kimberly Schneiderman. Yeah, you're listening to 30 Careers Presents Dream Job Radio. This is Daniel Laxton. And this is Leah Laxton. You might be wondering how you can interact with Dream Job Radio. Well, be sure to call in if you have questions for our guest, 760-888-5718. Or you can always Twitter us. Yeah, you can Twitter me at DanielLaxton.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-A-K-S-T-I-N-S. Or you can always go to our Facebook page for 30careers.com presents Dream Job Radio. Yeah. Just go to 30careers.com. Yeah. (laughs) Even better. Yeah. So our special guest today is Kimberly Schneiderman, and she's a specialist when it comes to uh, helping people in their careers. Yeah. She helps people find a great work environment. She's authored numerous career-related articles and videos, presents workshops on search job search strategies, interviewing skills, resumes, and on-the-job performance tactics. Yeah. Her main specialty, though, is helping people uh, to find a career that meets their personality. And that's what's uh, amazing about the show today, how to find a great work environment. And as always, we'll have also have our special segment after we talk with Kimberly, Campus Connection, where we tap the minds of America's college students and present practical advice for you to further your college career. And afterward, we'll have uh, overtime. So, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about that after well after the show. But hey, let's go ahead and invite Kimberly to the show, and uh, welcome Kimberly Schneiderman. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. So. This is fascinating because you really try to hook people up to the right personalities when it comes to the job. But before we talk about that, what sort of complaints do you find people have about jobs that seem to always come up? Complaints about jobs tend to be more situational in nature or relate to the corporate culture of the company that they're working for. Uh, they sometimes don't have anything to do with the job itself. So you'll hear people saying things like, oh, my boss micromanages me, or I'm working for this really small family-owned company and I have nowhere to move up. Uh, Perhaps even in a large company, it's hard to move up because you get pigeonholed in in one uh, type of job. Even within marketing, you might get pigeonholed in one type of marketing and not have the chance to reach out to other uh, areas within the company. And it can also be something as simple as I sit in a cubicle and the guy next to me smacks his gum and it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, of course, there are the complaints that are more in line with the structure of the organization itself. And some people might complain about the red tape of trying to get a project through being excruciating or the fact that no one seems to be able to give the final approval to something so nothing ever moves forward. Uh, they might complain about a company being behind the times and not have any social media initiatives. Uh, and those kind of things are, are, if they're important to you, you have to be able to watch out for them in the hiring process. It's true. It seems that every, every company, uh, all the employees in that company seem to make a certain personality. You know, a company can have a, its own personality, you know, basically. Yeah, and what about uh, when people say, that the job wasn't anything like the job description. You hear that a lot? 
Oh, definitely. And that's generally a symptom of uh, just the fact that job descriptions tend to be about responsibilities, and they don't tell somebody how to get things done. Uh, so in, in one organization, if, you, if your job is project management, in one organization launching a new project might be something that you do very solo, on your own, very independent action. And in another organization, it might mean that you have to have multiple meetings with several teams of people and, and that launching a project really requires several layers of executive approval to move forward. Uh, employees sometimes also don't understand what the, what the deliverables are. Even for a position in a retail establishment, uh, companies will often emphasize the attitudes that are required to get a job done or the education rather than the actual job experience, like the requirement, or excuse me, like in a retail environment, you walk into a store, a clothing store, in a job description for a an assistant, a floor assistant, they may not tell you that you have to know where every single product is at every single moment uh, on the, the floor. And But that's a very big reality of being an assistant on the floor of somewhere that somebody likes to shop. So that's where the discrepancy between a job description and the actual job can come into play. Yeah. A lot of that's probably about personality too, right? If you're a flexible person, then you're probably going to be willing to do quite a bit. And if you like where you work, you're going to be willing to do more. Maybe that wasn't in the description. And if you hate your job, then it's probably going to do even worse if, you know, it's not measuring up to what you expected. Yeah, definitely. When people are feeling like they're thriving in a position and like everybody that they're working with, they're just willing to do something extra, usually, if they're if they're of that mind. <laughs> so, uh, what can a person do uh, to figure out what kind of place they want to work for? Well, there are a, there's a lot of great things that you can do in advance to, to figure out the kind of place that you want to work. Try to think about where you've been so far in your career, and for people that have several years of experience, they can really analyze whether they've been more successful in a really large company or a really small company. For example, when I was in the working world, I always knew that I belonged in small companies. I was a better match for entrepreneurs, and the biggest company I ever worked for had 75 employees in it, and I worked directly with the CEO and only saw about 20 employees in the whole company. And that was a pattern throughout my throughout my personal career, and so I talk to my clients about that as well. Where do you thrive? Do you like working for the big behemoth companies or really small companies where you know everything that's going on and have your hand in everything? You might think about the, the structure that you need in place to, to thrive. Do you like a company that has a lot of a really well-defined hierarchy and steps to gain promotions? Are you looking for a company that's going to have a really large budget and a lot of freedom to do a lot of things? Or are you one of those people that really likes to get in at the grassroots of something and push hard and do more with less and make things happen on a shoestring budget? Mm -hmm. uh, there's also the autonomy. Do you want to be in a position where you get to make a lot of decisions? Are you somebody that's more comfortable taking direction rather than giving direction? Uh, so those are some of the basics that you can do. And then there's actually a visualization exercise that I take my clients through to help them figure out the kind of environment that they might 
uh, be successful in. Uh, and that can be very powerful as well. Do, you, yeah. do we have time to talk yeah. about some of the questions that I tell my clients to ask themselves in that visualization exercise? Yeah, yeah. So, Great. <laughs> so one of the things I do is, is I'll ask them questions about a typical day. So I'll say to them, you know, picture yourself in your ideal job. And this is the best job you want to be in right now in your career. It's, it's perfect for you. And so I'll ask them some really thought-provoking yet simple questions. Tell me what you're thinking about as you wake up in the morning. How are you getting to work? Tell me the, the, what your workplace looks like. Who are you passing as you're making your way to your, to your space, to your chair? Do you work in an office? Is your work done in a cubicle? Are you on the, in a manufacturing plant? Tell me about that. And I might ask them who they're, what's going on in their day. Do they have meetings scheduled? What are those meetings about? Who, are they, who do they have appointments with? Who are they getting phone calls from? And everything, in that exercise, I really take it down to really brass tacks. Who are they having lunch with? Uh, because when, they're, when you're picturing your ideal day, you can really get a nice, solid picture of the place that you want to work and the kind of experience, experiences you want to have and the work that you actually want to do. I was able to do this really successfully with somebody just last week. They had been, uh, I prepared the, the gentleman's resume and he, he presented it to a recruiter and the recruiter said, well, can you make your resume less finance oriented and more operations oriented? And we talked about the merits of making his resume a bit more operations oriented because he certainly could have, could have done that. And I took him through this visualization exercise, and within three minutes of starting the exercise, it was so obvious that his focus and his personal reward at work was going to come from having that finance as part of the foundation of his job, that there was no way he could even consider creating a resume that was anything but finance in nature. Uh, so, so it's really powerful exercise to go through. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's say that a person has that visualization and they have in mind what their perfect situation is. How can they actually get a job that fits that? The key here is to really pay attention to what's going on during the interview process and to ask some good questions. So here, let me give you some questions that you can ask if you're interviewing for a position to figure out if it's a good company for you. We might have uh, lost our feet temporarily with Kimberly, but some awesome advice, especially the visualization side, I think is awesome. There we go. Are you back, Kimberly? Hey, I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. sorry. We had a little technical glitch, but yes, yeah, so we were, you were talking about, um, sorry, if you could take us back through some of those questions again to in the interview process. Sure. So um, asking what the biggest challenges have been in finding the right candidate, asking what the most challenging aspects of the job are, and also asking why the position is available. Each of those three questions can really help uh, the job seeker figure out what's going on in the company. If the position is available because the company's had five people in that job in the last two years and none of them have been able to figure it out, well, that's not a good sign for the for the company. That, what that says is that there's something broken within that company that they cannot, that they're not hiring the right kind of person, nor are they doing the things necessary to retain somebody in the position. 
it, um, it can also showcase whether a company is um, has a good idea of what the position is all about. If they're having a really hard time finding the right candidate for the position, that might mean that they don't have a good job description or they're just in exploratory mode and they haven't really committed to actually hiring somebody for the job. You can also ask things like, to whom would I report? What are the deliverables in this job and their deadlines? And here's a really great question is, how have other people in this position succeeded and how have they failed? What you're going to get by asking that question is some really concrete answers of, in terms of what made somebody else really good in the job or what made somebody else not so good in the job. You might get a lot of attributes in that answer, like, oh, the last person in this job just really couldn't commit to getting to work on time. It was awful. They were never at meetings on time. They procrastinated and everything that they did was uh, kind of put together shoddily uh, at the last minute. So that's going to tell you that this kind of position really requires somebody that's present, really requires somebody that is good at taking a project through uh, very purposefully and not really slamming together something at the last minute, no matter how good that last minute effort might be. Uh, and the last powerful question that I advise people ask on a job is what advice would you give someone like me coming into this position? So. You can actually ask your potential manager for advice in advance of there being any issue whatsoever. And then from there, I also talk to my clients about uh, having some unspoken observations. Ask the, ask the interviewer for a tour of the company. What do you see? Do you see people from, uh, from a lot of different generations? in the company representing all, all different working styles and such? Or do you see people from one particular generation at all the desks and in all the offices? And figure out what that might mean for you. Uh, you can look around and see what kind of technologies people are using. What do you see in, in equipment? Do you see a lot of iPads out on desks? Do you see a lot of really high-tech printers and, and copiers? Yeah. So here's the thing, too, is um, you, you're saying, I mean, with questions, then, we can really probe and find out if this is even the right company to be working for, which that's awesome. But now personalities, I know that you, you brought out that personalities can play into to these things. Uh, how would you say that maybe ma managers and coworkers' personalities could play into um, the, the, the whole, um, well, the way, the way the company is? And we can choose the right, yeah. make the right decision. Absolutely. So uh, I ascribe to the DISC personality assessment, and that's an assessment that says that there are four basic types of personalities. There's a dominant personality, an influence, influential personality, a steady personality, and then the conscientious personality. And everybody's a mix of those four basic types, uh, and then they generally have something that comes out a bit stronger than the other four. So somebody that's really dominant are tend to be the executives in the company. And when you're talking with them, you want to be really direct and brief and to the point. You, uh, they can be, they might be the people that cut you off or are really poor listeners. At the same time, they're focused on results and on the bottom line. So make sure that if you're dealing with that kind of personality, that's what you're giving them. 
for the, the people that are really influential in nature, these are your really big personalities. So, Daniel, I bet that you are somebody that is influential if you were to take this assessment. Um, yeah. These are the people that are the public relations people, the recreation directors, they're talk show hosts, to be really specific. Uh, and these are the people that you want to be... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> these are the people that you want to be personable with. You want to get to know them. You might use anecdotal anecdotes or testimonials to communicate with them. You wouldn't use a lot of data and statistics, and you wouldn't try to muddy the waters by focusing on a lot of different things with this person. You just focus on one thing at a time. Then there's the people that are really steady in nature, and these are the people that are tend to be in occupations such as doctors, teachers, financial representatives, customer service reps, and actually coaches like myself. So when uh, people are dealing with people that match up to that personality. You want to do things to build trust. You want to make sure that meetings keep going, that uh, there isn't any stall in the meeting. You want to make sure that you're always suggesting action steps. You want to be kind of low-key, not overbearing. You want to cite statistics and address concerns. Uh, and that would be the steady personality if you're working with somebody like that. And then the last personality are the conscientious people, the really predictable people. These are the people that are in those IT roles, and they're also weather forecasters, interestingly enough, and film critics. When you're dealing with people that match up to that conscientious, compliant, cautious, kind of predictable personality type, when you're dealing with them, you want to be able to give a lot of data. You want to be able to use an, an evidence-based approach in conversations with them. Give them some time to make decisions. Always follow up with them and stay focused in your conversations with them. So quite frankly, this whole, the, the idea of uh, working with personalities and adjusting your working style to match up to your manager's personality, uh, we could go on and on about that for several minutes. And I know that today we're limited on time, so I welcome any follow-up questions from your audience or from you uh, to dive into that topic a bit deeper. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you have some of this information, I guess, available on your blog or on your uh, website as well, Kim? Yeah, so my website is citycareerservices.com, and city is spelled properly. It's C-I-T-Y, careerservices.com. And on my website, there are several career-related videos. Uh, also, my blog is, is right there on the website where I talk a lot about management topics. And there are some references to books and description of my services that I offer. That's awesome. We'll be sure to get those links up on the website as well. Um, and is it mostly the – I know you're in New York City, I think, I believe. Um, is it mostly that area that you focus on, or do you take clients from all over the United States or worldwide? I, I absolutely work with clients all over the United States and worldwide if they're coming to work in the U.S., my clients that are local to New York City, I meet with them in person at my office. And everybody else I work with via Skype, telephone, email. That's awesome. You know, we might ask you one more question before we let you go, though, is, you know, if um, if, if you find yourself in a tough spot with the, the job that you're in and things seem like they aren't working out, do you have any advice on how maybe a person can smooth things over or make things go better, think, yeah. yeah, or what they should do, or do you think it's kind of like a lot of times just time to move on? Well, hopefully it's not time to move on because you've put a lot of effort, the, the employee has put a lot of effort into getting this job, and the company has actually spent a great amount of money hiring this person. 
so there's an investment on both sides, and it, that there makes it worth it to try and repair the situation. So what I advise my clients to do if things aren't going so well is to, number one, schedule a meeting with the manager and kind of start from the beginning. Uh, acknowledge that perhaps things haven't gone as smoothly as they want them to go. And could we back up for a second and lay out a fresh 30, 60, 90-day plan? Ask your manager how, uh, how they like to be communicated with, what their expectations are, uh, ask, you might go back and ask them some of those original interview questions about, okay, so tell me how somebody else has really succeeded in, the, in this position and how can I emulate that? How else has somebody failed in this position and what do you think was wrong at, about that, about what they are doing? Uh, you might ask this person if they can give you some ideas about expectations or how often they think that you should be meeting with them to deliver the work. Who else might you be speaking to within the organization to get your work done properly? I was with, I was speaking to a director at a, uh, a major cable network, and he was saying that he had just met with a manager that he oversees, and he had been very direct with this manager about who to meet with and to get a project done. And the manager came to him with a status update on the project and literally had not followed instructions. And so what that, what that meant for this director was that he, had, he really had to backtrack with this manager and lay out a fresh plan uh, and lay out some fresh expectations and be really clear with him about what he expected this manager to do in the position. Now, that's a kind of a reverse case from what we're talking about. We're talking about things from the employee's perspective, and that's a story about the employer's perspective. Yet it gives it some weight. That it's really important to not only get that plan in place, but also to execute on that plan exactly how you want, how your manager wants things done, so that you can perform up to their expectations. That's awesome. So we don't have to necessarily quit the job either. That's good. Well, you're listening to 30careers.com presents Dream Job Radio. Our special guest has been Kimberly Schneiderman. She's an expert when it comes to careers. Uh, she, uh, she, well, she's certified in. In our, our, our NCWREOCEIC and CLTC <laughs> certifications, huh? So uh, you can find her at www.citycareerservice.com. But thank you so much for coming on the show, Kimberly. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking with your audience in future conversations. Most definitely. Thanks. Thank you. Well, another fantastic guest. We really appreciate having her on the show, but now it is time for everybody's favorite college student. Ooh, Micah Hackney. What's going on, Micah? Uh, well, today I just want to talk about um, just, um, developing your relationship with your instructors and professors in your classes. You know, it's really important to reach out and uh, develop relationships with these professors so they know that you take their class seriously and that, that you take your education seriously and that, you know, you're not just uh, um, making your way through college on your parents' money uh, partying. <laughs> but uh, um, it's really good. Some tips you need to do that really professors um, really appreciate is by utilizing their office hours. If you don't understand something or have some questions, you know, they list those office hours. And it's really, I know it's great whenever students go and uh, talk to the professors, then they um, then they can help them with whatever they need during those hours. And also you can use a professional email system. Just uh, email them if you're going to miss class or something. You can just always send them an email um, detailing why you're going to miss and, uh, um, you know, just make sure you're not missing anything. 
Uh, for example, you know, I got fr- a friend of mine. She's often sick, and, you know, always in and out of the hospital. But because she uh, she has always developed good relationships with her instructors, uh, it allows her to get you know get the notes online or get through email, and so she can get ready for the exam. Even when she misses a lot of classes, she is well prepared for the exam when she gets in there. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, and it's always good to participate and ask questions in class, you know, as well. And um, and also, uh, you know, after, towards the end of the semester, it's always a good idea to, you know, just talk to them and just congratulate them on teaching a great course and how you appreciate it and everything. So so basically, yeah. uh, kiss them. Yeah, yeah, we see it. how you do it now. Yeah. Brown hosing is, is appropriate, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um yeah, it's always you know good ideas to follow those uh, those tips and everything because it's really, it's really important that your instructors know you're serious about class and everything, and they'll give you a little bit of leeway on things as well if you uh, you know you're going through some things or like problems or anything with the class. So it's always a good idea. It is a great idea because but your teacher knows you or knows your personality. Um, not necessarily know you as a brown noser, but but the thing is that you see in communication, and, and if the teacher knows or professor knows that you appreciate them, like what you're saying, then that's that's a really good thing. Um, Absolutely. You're gonna, yeah, you're you're more than likely he's going to help you out when you're maybe uh, possibly going to get a bad grade or something. Maybe if we've done something stupid, they, they may and, come over and help you. <laughs> And it's always really important for later on down the road, you're going to need letters of recommendation for everything, for uh, for advanced classes, for graduate, for getting your master's, for uh, graduate studies, for jobs. And so those letters of recommendation are key. And so that's why you need to develop a relationship also with your instructors. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thank you for this segment on... <laughs> Until next week. So, speaking of next week, what do we have next week? Next week, we're actually entrepreneurs. Yeah, we're actually going to have like a two-week um, entrepreneur segment again. Sort of, of course, last month was Entrepreneur Month, but um, we have a couple of really good ones coming up. Brenton Geezer will be with us next week. Uh, he is a social entrepreneur, and, and our show is going to be called Social Entrepreneurship. Yeah, and so, do you want to start your own business? Or if you want to start many businesses? Yeah, and we're really excited about Brenton because he's basically done everything. He's written for Mashable, Under 30 CEO, um, Generation Juice. Uh, he's a corporate uh, thing, small business, fundraised, um, done, you know, bootstrap startup. He's failed, succeeded. So he's going to share all of that advice with us next week, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you're... If you're going to listen next week, please tune in. We're every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Central. And if you're listening to this uh, iTunes recording, then feel free to click to the next one and listen to some some ideas on how to start your own business. Absolutely. So we thank everyone for listening. We thank all of our great guests. We thank Kimberly. Be sure to check out citycareerservices.com. We thank Micah, uh, MicahHackney.com, and, of course, you can get all those links through 30careers.com. Yeah, go to 30careers.com and go to uh, Facebook. What is it? Forward slash 30careers? Or is that what it is? 
what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's um, 30cruise.com presents Stream Job Radio. Yeah, but if you're on Facebook, Facebook and, and please click like. Uh, I think you have to search for it. Search yeah, for it. it's not like an easy, no. direct to get there way. Or you can just click through <laughs> 30 Careers. So. Well, until next week. This is Leo Axton. This is Daniel Axton. And this is. Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio.